You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Jason Daniels, and special guest, John Hammer. Hey, guys. Good evening. Good afternoon. Welcome, John. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, tell the tell the group uh, what you've been up to lately, and uh, what have you been doing? What's going on with your team and such? Well, I've been pretty quiet, honestly. I've uh, dialed it back pretty much everywhere. Spent a long time um, as the manager for No Excuses Racing. I got overworked with it, and wasn't going the way we wanted it to go, so decided to step down from the manager's position, and we kind of regrouped with a much smaller group of people, probably the same people just about that I started with back in uh, 2011. So um, it's premier racing now, and uh, it's really great to be with all the guys again, but it's pretty low-key for me and for us. We just kind of do our thing now. Premier, all right. Yeah, you know, these teams, they ebb and flow. Uh, my team as well uh, uh, just really cycled through a bunch of people just recently and got a bunch of new faces around, um, and it happens. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, John. I mean, what are the – I mean, does this happen in all the teams, or is it just something that – it seems like you get a certain group in, and like you said, you went back to a core group, and you're kind of starting over, huh? Uh, you know, it's – it really was my decision to do it. Um, it could have carried on the way we were carrying on if, you know, if I wanted to carry the torch, but it's a lot of work is what it comes down to. And by the end of the day, after an hour of drive, each way to work and driving all day, you get home, you're trying to manage all the personalities. I mean, we had great people. Everybody was good, you know, it, it's, but it's just tough. You get a lot of racers together, and it's difficult. And I think the hardest part, at least for me, was the amount of work that it took. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, managing a team is uh, a lot, and I, I do a lot of empowerment. Uh, you know, I try to get other team members to step up and be, you know, do things that need to be done kind of thing. So... Uh, I try to keep my involvement to a minimum, but just because of the reasons you say, you know, you got a re- you got a regular life. So, yeah, it was time to end the job. Time to get back to having a lot more fun. All right. Well, I hope you're having fun now. Having a blast. All right. Good. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, let's get going. Uh, let's talk NIS, my favorite series. Uh, it's an oval series. Counts to- towards oval I rating, but guess what? We ran at Watkins Glen for our oval I rating this week and uh, killed mine pretty much. Uh, I'll talk about my my results here. Uh, Wednesday uh, fixed uh, P23. Ugh. And I pretty much, uh, that's where I qualified. That's where I ran. Uh, I had a little forward backwards, but not much. I had a great run on uh, open. Uh, P10, I mean, top 10 for a road course, and NIS is huge for me. Uh, what a great run. I qualified actually 16th, 
And that was the ticket. I mean, I can't believe how much track position is so big into where you're going to finish in this race. I mean, uh, there's very few drivers out there where that are marching through the field. Um, it, you, you run where you qualify, pretty much. And I think that's not just NIS. That that's road courses in general. Uh, you see see that actually a lot, even in the Grand Prix World Championship Series. The guys that qualify up front finish up front, unless you have something fluky like someone off track twice during qualifying. Those are really the only guys that you see charge up the field. But well, Watkins Glen was very much single file, at least from what I saw. Yep, yep. And you, oh. I thought you ran pretty much on rails on uh, on your 10th. I watched a good, good portion of that race. There was one, maybe two cars that were coming up with you and they cycled through pit stops and were driving a lot more, a lot more aggressive, a lot more kind of all in and making more mistakes. You were just passing them back up. So it was some ebb and flow that way, but pretty much you you stayed top 10 and you, you kept it in your marks. Yeah, that's the thing, kept it on the track. And uh, I, I didn't do that on Thursday when we ran the fixed. I ended up uh, P23 there. I did wreck a couple times, actually went off. Uh, one time in the gravel, another off of the sweeping corner. Uh, I suck. I, I just felt really bad on Thursday. And what's interesting is I, you know, I ran so good in the open uh, the night before. I'm literally running the same set, the fixed set, but I just felt like I was running like garbage the next day, and I have no idea why. I spent a lot of time this time around on our chassis, and um, I think I was in the third split. Or, no, I was, I was in the first split on Sunday, NIS. I actually ran an NIS race. I don't race much. There's a theme to that. So we raced uh, Friday night back up. Um, we raced Friday night, I think it was, in the A Open or something. Brian Bennett, and I was crewing for Brian, and that's a fuel mileage race. So the whole time I'm soft-talking Brian not to kill the car. And we came home P2 in the uh, open with it, and it was quick. I qualified in the top 10 and top split on Sunday morning, but I was not doing as I say and got aggressive and looped it twice, and I paid the price. But it was, uh, we had a great, I wouldn't say we had a great car. We had a much better car than we normally do, and it uh, it was pretty fun. Hardest work I've ever done for like a 20th place finish, though. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you loop it, you're done. You're you're not going to get back your spots. I mean, literally. Unless they loop it in front of you. Well, exactly. I mean, unless they blow it, too. But that's the thing. There's no cautions, okay? So you're not going to catch up. If you go off track or you loop it or you stop at all, you lose all those spots, and you're probably not going to get them back. Yeah, my buddies did really good. I was I was really proud of them. They did a great job. It was fun to watch. Yeah. So, Jason, uh, you ran Thursday with with me. Uh, you were in a different split, but uh, how'd you do? I ended up 18th. Um, I was actually feeling pretty pretty good about Watkins Glen. Uh, this is my uh, first run through the NIS. I'm still getting every track is new to me. Uh, so I'm still getting experience. I was intimidated by road courses, but I was running some consistent 115, 114s 
in practice, which isn't winning any polls. It's not winning any races, but I was feeling good. And I just was not able to duplicate that in a race. Uh, I was, I was slow. I was loose. I was inconsistent. Uh, and I, I was just never able to find that consistency. Uh, but I did the repairs I need, got, got back on the track. Uh, and that's something that I found. I was actually in bottom split and a lot of people, once they wreck, they do give up. So I gained a lot of spaces just by sticking it out and not giving up. And that got me back to 18th. I only lost three I rating instead of probably the 40 I should have. Yep. I did have a interesting decision that I made. I just wanted to get your opinion. Uh, it was after I was getting lapped the first time. So second had just gotten by me uh, on the front stretch at the start finish line. Uh, and I completely missed my break point going into turn one. I had a split second decision because I knew I was running him over. Uh, so the split second decision I made was to goose it right and actually dive bomb in front of him and stay on the gas to completely get off the track before he made the turn. Uh, and I kind of <laughs> I kind of sacrificed myself so I wouldn't hit him and ruin his race and really piss him off. And it actually worked. I ended up not making contact with him. The gravel slowed me down, and I didn't like blow my engine in the wall. I had like five minutes of repairs, uh, which is really significant on Watkins Glen. Uh, but kind of in the end, I, I sacrificed my race for that, but I would have run him over, maybe blown my engine, maybe blown his engine if I hadn't done that. So in the end, it felt worth it, but it, it was a completely selfless move just in a split-second decision to make. Hmm. I don't know about if it's worth it. I, I don't know. I mean... Would Kyle Busch do the same thing if he was in the same spot? Probably not. No, not at all. <laughs> so, Kyle Busch is also not bottom split. And well, I guess. What would Kyle Busch do? <laughs> Ask yourself that now. I have no idea. but He wouldn't miss know. the break I, my, point going into turn one. <laughs> my reaction is you try to save your own race. You know, You don't sacrifice, so to speak your car to save not hitting somebody else. I don't know. John, what do you think? Is there ethics here? Um, I would applaud the move. Well done is what I would say there. Oh, there you go. Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush would miss the break going into the turn. So the right thing to do there is if you know you're going to take them out, don't take them out. Oh, yeah, it was the right thing. I also could have nailed him right on the front right and taken us both out and pissed off a guy for life, but it was a risk I took at a split second. And in the end, it actually did uh, save my race because I didn't go head for or on a head-on collision, basically, at high, at a high speed. Probably still thought you were a tool as he saw you fly by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he had words for me. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He said, you ever try to wreck me again? And I explained myself. He's like, okay, I understand. My bad. Interesting. Well, NIS, uh, I'm glad Watkins Glen was over. I, was, I loved how quick the race was. Uh, that was really nice. And uh, what's next? Michigan. 
So uh, probably going to do some practice tonight. Uh, get a set together, maybe. I hope. What do you guys think about Michigan? You ready? Uh, this doesn't have any right turns in it, right? Yeah, a little bit easier. Okay, good. So uh, we're um, I'm trying to be at least a week ahead in all of our chassis work for us. And it's going well again, but back on schedule, getting back into the groove. So we were done. I would say we were done with the base chassis last Wednesday. And Thursday, we did some testing quickly. And then basically, I was done Friday night, and we beat the hell out of it over the weekend. And Sunday night, I made the last tweak. So we're pretty much ready to go on Monday. That's how our schedule works. Oh, nice. Good way to stay ahead of it consistently. We're also kind of working with um, Black Hole Motorsports with Joel Putty and a really great engineer over there, Dave Mercer, with uh, our engineer, uh, John Schulte. He's really, really good, builds real dirt cars and stuff. The guy's phenomenal. I just kind of take all the stuff and put it together and build chassis. So I had some luck when um, we were... Uh, Ryan Lowe was looking for a crew chief, a chassis builder. So I sent him some stuff. We worked together for a few days. It didn't pan out. But the tangent here is that I'm ahead a lot now because I'm sending um, chassis over to a DWC team, uh, Christian Schaliner and the One Up Motorsports guys. It's an informal arrangement, but. Um, I have some sponsors on the cars, but that's really forcing me to be back on the schedule I was at. So if you can be ahead of the game, you're not fighting everybody who's been good at the end of the week. Right. It's hard to do, though, to be that disciplined. Right. So when you're one quick question about what you described as far as getting your setups early done early like a week early have you ever been cut off guard by iRacing making some kind of change as they often do that you know makes all the setups whack i'd like to say that there's nothing they can't do to the car that i can't fix in an hour at this point all right (laughs) but it doesn't mean it's going to be the fastest historically and the guys who are with the team and who have been with us and not any longer will all say that one of the advantages we've always had is being able to adapt really quickly. And a lot of times, a lot of the other teams are catching up to us. And then when they do, they kind of go by us. So that's not ever really been a major problem. Right. Cool. Well, I'm excited to get uh, done with the road courses and on to the rest of the ovals here. Um, I was just looking at points. I'm 21st and 25th in my division, second division. So I can't wait for the uh, drop weeks to come and uh, see where that moves me. If it's going to move, I'm hoping it'll move me up. Yeah, if you're in division two, you should be in there with a bunch of the guys from Premier, from Premier, Jeremy Johnson, the Carter brothers, uh, Ryan Bennett. All, all of I think a lot of them are in division two. So. You know why I'm not doing as well this year? It really I can blame it on dirt. You know when <laughs> dirt came, I'm serious. I mean when dirt came out, I lost four or five hundred I rating, and I have really yet to re- completely recover from that. And 
you know, you know, your I rating determines how many championship points you get in these finishes. And if you have a lower I rating and these other guys in division two have a much higher I rating than me right now, they have more opportunity for more points. Yep. That's why we run hosted dirt. (laughs) Yeah. I learned the hard way, I guess. Uh, so let's move on to dirt. Um, I didn't run any. Well, what about you guys? You guys do any dirt? I like the 410 winged for fun, but it's just for fun. Yeah, I definitely am focusing on the pavement ovals to to get my skill up. Yeah, I haven't done any. Uh, I'm waiting for my dirt license. I hope it comes. <laughs> All right, uh, next, let's go into some of these topics. Uh, I guess, Jason, you and I will trade off uh, starting here, but I'll start off with a new recruit to our team, David Flowers, uh, posted up a video of a truck race he was in, and uh, he, he caused an incident. You know, it was an accident, a racing incident. But when I saw the video, I was like, wow, this is a great example of dirty air. And... What happened was, is he's going really fast through the corners, and he's behind. He, he goes underneath this guy, kind of goes up across his wake, and goes above the guy. So first he was below him, then he was behind him, and then he was above him. And as he made that transition from those one, two, three spots, the car it upset the truck, and that truck came around on him. It basically got it loose. And he got it loose, then it actually pulled him towards the wall and uh, right up into the trucks above him. Uh, I couldn't believe uh, what a great example it was of <clears throat> what dirty air can do to a car. You know, when you uh, go f- you know, from being in clean air to dirty air to clean air, and boy, it just uh, really upset the truck. Kudos to iRacing on the physics there. I mean, it's just spot on. You always hear that in IndyCar, you know, in real IndyCar racing, that that's a problem, that they they experience that a lot. All right, what's next? Next up, uh, the Peak Auto Series ran at Indianapolis, and Zach Novak picks up his first Peak Auto win uh, at the Indy. All right, Zach, well done. First win. We had a lot of first-time winners this year. The forum drama was pretty good afterwards. Oh, was it? <laughs> I, did I miss that? <laughs> it's still there. Uh, oh, is this the part where they, you know, they're wrecking going down the straight and they can't, you know, keep it together, and it was like a total wreck fest. <laughs> I watched most of that race because uh, Christian had the Q chassis in it, so. That was pretty yeah, I, good. I missed the uh, the live race, and I did see the recap video that uh, they put together, and uh, it was an interesting uh, turn of events. You know, the whole race actually some huge incidents as well. They keep bunched up there at Indy, especially at that level. Uh, not something you really see kind of in lower splits. But they trust each other, and that kind of can lead to bigger wrecks. 
Right. It's not much different than watching the A open or the NIS top splits. Right. Well, cautions are about the same. It's not that the cautions are bad or anything, but they're the average cautions aren't much different. They're like five and a half, six cautions per race for DWC. There so, have been some clean peak races though, but this was definitely not one of them. Yeah, I'm just saying the averages the averages are about the same. Right. Fun to watch though. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of good times watching these races lately. Uh, some really good racing going on, lots of action. So I was pretty excited. It was the first first time that one of my all-time career goals, if you want to call it that, to have a chassis up there in pro with uh, Ryan Lowe. It was between uh, myself and some other team that he didn't mention. He ended right. up going with them. He's like 11th in points, so or 8th in points, 11th in points. Ryan actually moved up to ninth in points after that race. Yeah, uh, he's about, one spot out now. Zelensky still leads, followed by Ofala, Ryan Michaeluza, Corey Vincent, Zach Novak, Marcus Richardson, Christian Chalonier, and Logan Clampett rings out the top eight. Yep. So, cool. They're going to have some kind of chase, and uh, I don't think I completely understand how the points are going to work for that. So, I believe they have one more race until they cut for the chase. All right. So we'll have to learn about that. There's a, not much information that I've seen about it, or I would know about it. All right, next topic let's jump into is reports of connection problems. Uh, Kevin Bobbitt from iRacing staff. We are aware that some members are experiencing connection issues. We are monitoring the situation but have not yet identified any anomalies. And this was uh, posted August 5th. And uh, seven pages follow of iRacers saying, yeah, I can't connect. They came back and found out that one of the servers was only allowing IPv6 and not IPv4. So it'll be interesting to see if that resolves the problem. But I'm going to have to do some ping tracing and stuff and see what's going on. I was part of the last ping trace test, and they had a bad server from their host. Aha. Mystery solved. Probably that again in my suspicion, but it takes time to shake it down. Right. So does that mean the people that had the problem had IPv6 turned on, or...? I don't know if we know if that's the answer, if that's the real problem, because some people were running like... It's called dual stack, and they were having the problem. So it seems like an iRacing server connection problem at their headquarters because all the hosted sessions for an entire, like, hour, nobody could join any of them. And then it rolled over to, like, 8 o'clock, and then everybody could join all of them. (laughs) And those are literally servers in different parts of the world, too, when you look at a list of hosted, right? Well, yeah, but all the U.S. ones were a problem. Couldn't get into them. I see. That also coincided with the six hours at the Glen. A lot of connection issues with that as well, and this is probably related. It's going to be a wait-and-see deal. They'll get some people, and they'll do some ping trace tests, and they'll sort it out. It takes time. Yeah. All right. What's next? 
Next, iRacing is uh, pairing with World of Outlaws to do a ticket giveaway. They did this uh, actually last weekend uh, to win a free pair of tickets to a World of Outlaws race near you. Uh, I was just looking to follow and retweet, and they notified their 10 winners. Uh, so uh, another good sponsorship pairing, uh, World of Outlaws. Heck yeah. Uh, remember not too long ago, iRacing gave hot passes to the NASCAR race to uh, some lucky iRacers, and now uh, a chance to win tickets to an actual race again. So uh, pretty cool. All right, uh, next up is very exciting video about day-night transitions. iRacing has released a 51-second video showing, hey, you asked for it. Day-night transitions are in development on iRacing. This footage shows a work in progress. And uh, what did you guys think uh, when you saw this? Uh, to be honest, I'm in wait-and-see mode. <laughs> I watched it, and I said, cool. Yeah, let's see how it really works, huh? Yes, I'm not naysaying iRacing, but early releases can be months, a year. What I'm glad that they gave us some they gave us some communication on it though, and I always criticize them for that. So it was pretty cool to see some communication. Yeah, I was gonna say the week before they released this video, we actually talked about a topic on the podcast where people were tweeting uh uh, Steve Myers from iRacing about, hey, what's the deal with the day-night transitions? And we actually talked about it on the podcast, and then sure enough, they put this video out the next week. So uh, maybe they're listening. I hope so. But uh, they also said um, in a tweet right after that, this displays only a partial implementation with a clear day-sky model. We are still working on volumetric clouds, dynamic exposure, etc., so a kind of a follow-up, dis you know, legal disclosure. Hey, uh, this is uh, very, you know, rudimentary still. Well, the upside of this is that all the things that aren't 100%, like the surface model, the tracks themselves, the, the abrasive quality of the tracks, the perfect tire model is not perfect. The more variables that you add in, the less focus that you really need to have, in my opinion, on each of those little individual problems. Because as the track and the stuff becomes more complex, all the different variables, it's like road racing, you know, there's not two corners, there's 20 of them. <laughs> right. So the complexity will help all of the other things, so that's good. I just want to make sure the track changes according to what you see as far as a day-night transition. I don't want to just visually see it. I want the track to, you know, behave like that, too. Well, you would imagine it's iRacing, and that's what they'll end up doing, so that's probably why it takes so long. Right. Cool deal, though. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So uh, that's a that's going to be really neat in the 24-hour races, I, you know, that's re or the Coke 600, or, you know, events like that where you transition, you know, from day to night or night to day. It's really, the, the ramifications of this are so expansive because it actually changes the weather. We have what's called dynamic weather right now, but we really don't. All we really have is a static sky, right? And then we have a dynamic track. 
So there's wind. The wind changes. The sun doesn't come up. The sun doesn't go down. So the track temperature can't change because of the amount of sun exposure with cloud cover, lack of cloud cover. And that can change the track surface really quickly because the surface is, absorbs a ton of heat. Yep. And yeah, that's, that's the physics that are going to be key. I mean, I don't think it even has to be super perfect or anything because we're not in the real world, but we have our own world. So as long as it works, like the connectivity between the sun exposure and the change in the track, as long as the track changes in the right direction, that's a big bonus, a big plus. Yep, there you go. Very well said. Okay, Jason, what's up? Next, after 10 years at Inside Sim Racing, Darren Gangi is leaving the site that he helped create. Oh, no. Yeah, I was surprised by this. I actually caught this live uh, on their YouTube channel. I just happened to be doing nothing when it popped up on my phone, and I started watching at least the first part of it. But a uh, longtime host of Inside Sim Racing, uh, Darren Gangi, has uh, retiring. He actually indicated he sold the Inside Sim Racing brand, whatever the business, it's a business. He sold it to some other person uh, who has been nameless so far. It is not John, the other host. Um, they did confirm that. It is other somebody else, but uh, he sold it. And his reasoning is he's been working at uh, Fan Attack. He uh, is a full-time employee there. He works from home, but he does work full-time hours doing all kinds of stuff for them, mostly customer service. Um, so if you have a fan attack problem and you call for customer service, you could end up talking to this guy, Darren Ganji. But uh, basically, he just wasn't, didn't have time for it anymore, you know, between his new job and whatnot. So, and he's uh, stepping away from the channel. So uh, congrats to Darren and uh, well wishes. I mean, they have quite a following. Uh, this particular video called Darren's Farewell, I see 14,364 views so far. Congrats, Darren. Good for you, man. Yep, well done. I could only hope to have that many views someday of our stuff, but uh, yeah, they they really built a brand over there, and obviously it's going to continue with John, who's done a really good job and kind of has taken over uh, over the you know gradually from Darren over the last year he's kind of taken over his helm of the lead host anyway and uh, I think it you know the channel's in good hands I think uh, John has a lot of good ideas and uh, and he brings a lot to the table so all right uh, good luck to Darren Next is uh, NIS team list. I thought this was interesting. Matt Busa, we talked about he was doing a, a stats thing on Dan danlisa.com. Uh, and now he asked up on the forums, hey, can I get a list of people on the teams? So, because he can actually do uh, team points and whatnot, apparently, in these uh, st standings that he's coming up with for top split. So it was kind of interesting to peruse this uh, forum post to see who is on what team because uh, they're all, uh, they're, there's a lot of movement as all the time, and so it's kind of hard to keep up. And a lot of people don't you know, openly publicize 
who's on what team, you know, and it's kind of neat to have it all in one place. Uh, what do you guys think when you look through this? Well, whatever Matt Busa is doing, um, I support that 100%. He's a class act. He and I and a couple other guys have been working on, uh, with Nolan Scott, have been working this NIS thing since we were trying to reconfigure the NIS since the beginning of this year. So I'm really glad to see. I, I was doing the stats with him for a while in the beginning, and Matt took over for me. So I offered up some help. I think it's great that we're going to have the team list. I'm not going to provide my guys. <laughs> it's a great idea, though, and I'm loving the stats. I'm a stats guy, so. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of hoping he would do it for all the splits, but I know that would be probably too much work. But Facebook page is cool. Yeah. Shameless, shameless uh, plug there for the NIS um, Facebook page. Yep. Yeah, good for Matt. Yeah, I I, I was pretty impressed with what he's done with that uh, DanLisa.com stuff. That's a great idea. All right, Jason, what's up next? Next, there was a poll posted on the forums by Brett Fozzie. How much time do you spend on the forums? been here once a couple times few minutes a day few minutes an hour a couple hours a day or i never leave them or wait what form because you always have to have a troll answer <laughs> so the most popular result a uh, few minutes an hour you know, a few minutes to an hour at 35 percent second was few minutes a day at 28 percent third was a couple hours a day at 18 percent well where do you guys fit in here that's an ebb and flow for me. For a long time, I was very, very active, especially in the beginning when I thought I knew stuff. <laughs> and then I went then I went quiet for a while, and I had a lot of posts getting transferred over to other places. I didn't read the, uh, the EULA very closely, so I talked to some people, and I went back and I read it, and I stopped posting for quite a long time. <laughs> Those problems have seemed to have diminished at least a little bit, and now I have a new strategy strategy about how I post, which is unfortunate, but that's what you got to do. So I would say I'm on the forums probably close to the least amount that I've ever been. Yep. I would say uh, I'm not your average iRacer because I'm gathering topics for this podcast is all the only time I spend them on the forums. And... Uh, I would say maybe a total of 30 to 45 minutes a week. Not much. I, I find what I need. I put it on the script. I might read it briefly just so I have some idea about what it's about, but that's it. I'm not perusing the forums, uh, reading everything that's there. There's too much stuff. Well, one of the things that is tricky about that question is in order to get to your messages, you need to go to the forums. And my PM box is full, like, every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan so, of the PMs on this forum. They really need to update the forums to something modern. Soon. Soon, yeah. Hashtag soon. All right, uh, Jason, what about you? Are you ever on the forums or...? 
I'd say I spend about 30 minutes a day kind of on my breaks at work. Um, I do a lot more reading than I do posting. I'm more of a lurker in general. But if there's something, especially like with a new guy just starting out, I had a couple posts when I was a rookie and had some helpful people. So if I got if I see one from a, from a newbie that's being harassed, I, I definitely want to make sure that I keep them around and post some positive stuff, even if it's in a private message instead of a forum post. I always like to cater to the new guys. Nice of you. All right, next topic. I called this one Hammer Time because, John, I knew you were going to be coming on, and I gathered a couple questions about some of your posts because you are uh, on the forums. One of those uh, was this excellent idea that I love that you were talking about, hey, what if we took and had Peak be the top split of NIS and Pro is also part of NIS, and all three of those things were all the same thing. Tell us more about this idea, John. I think it's just brilliant. Uh, I probably deleted that one. <laughs> um, there was a time, actually, when the NIS was the Pro Qualifier Series for DWC. Um, I'd really don't want the controversy that goes with the idea, but it seems logical anyway that if the the service is somewhat diluted, I don't think anybody's going to argue that we have a lot of series and not enough racers. So it would seem like a logical idea to merge a bunch of these series kind of together and just make one super series out of it. I mean, we could still keep the A open, right? It's a good practice series. But if the NIS was pro, the year before was pro, and then the, that sends you into DWC the next year, and basically top split is the broadcast series. And it's you don't have to worry about all setting up all these different series, blah, 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 blah. And it's mimics. You can't mimic the real thing any closer than that. So, so you just bought, pick one of the starts? Yeah, um, the first, like the first one every Wednesday night because they run them every Tuesday night right now. Right. Worst worst case, they shift to NIS Wednesday night to Tuesday night so that they don't have to rearrange because right. it's been Tuesday nights forever. So you move the two, the Wednesday night to the Tuesday night. I don't know if that conflicts with the fixed series because I don't follow it, but I mean, it's just a, the the general idea is to take the dilution and put it all back into one big, massive series. See what happens for a couple of years. I mean, what's the worst that happens? They revert back. I, I love the idea because NASCAR wants to, you know, endorse one series on iRacing, and they do. But the, it's like you said, all this dilution. Why not have the most popular series be even more popular, you know, by mixing those things in. And I think it it leads a lot to the population to say, hey, I'm running NIS. That's the same series that these peak drivers are, are, are racing for to win a bunch of cash and win a trip down to Homestead and, you know, win a big check and all this other stuff. And I think it's cool that I'm in that same series. And if I get good enough, I can be in that same race, you know. Yeah, to me, it's um, it v validates both of the series it validates right. and puts more emphasis actually on the, the peak series because 
you're susceptible to maybe somebody in second split getting some I rating. You know, you you got to compete a lot. There's a lot more dedication and commitment to it. I don't think it'll ever happen. Honestly, it's just the politics at the highest level. I can't imagine the DWC drivers themselves wanting this to happen. Oh no, they'd be afraid. Uh, I'll fall out of the first split somehow. Or yeah, I don't know if it's that so much. It's the commitment. I mean, it's every week. Right. That's true. But isn't that the draw of NIS to begin with? You know, I, I mean, that's why I like it because it is 36 weeks because that's what makes it a challenge. You know, it's not a challenge when it's a 13 week crap, you know? I mean, what's iRacing pulling down a couple hundred viewers on a popular night for, for the YouTube stream, a live stream. I mean, honestly, if you combine the streams that are coming from uh, the NIS race, I bet that there's just as many viewers from that. It's right. Why not combine it, forces, right? Yeah, combine forces. It's I don't know. It's just it's probably too obvious to be good. Yeah, I love it though. I think it's a great idea. It it does make it more both series more relevant. I, I, that's really the outcome there, and I think that's brilliant. But you should I'll have left your post them. up. <laughs> I challenge. Yeah. I challenge them to do a poll, is what I would say. Send out a survey like they did recently and send out a survey to all the user base and just get an honest feedback on it and publish the results. Yeah. Great idea. I, you know. Let's, uh, okay, so let's jump to the next Hammer Time topic. Uh, live telemetry in NASCAR on iRacing. Uh, you had a, a couple comments. There was a thread about this. So tell us what you're talking about. Um, let's see. In NASCAR, everybody knows that you're not allowed to run any sort of telemetry other than what's coming from the PCM or the ECM, depending on how you look at it. And I believe the engine control module stuff is only delivered by NASCAR themselves. And I'm not sure if it's during the race. I'm not in NASCAR. I, you know, I don't go to a lot of races. I don't know the details of that. But I know for sure they're not getting tire temperatures. They're not getting yaw rates. They're not getting, uh, you know, you're not getting one lap old data. That, that's why they don't have the cell phone in the car rule, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> they're going to use that cell phone to somehow transmit telemetry. There should not be telemetry allowed in the NASCAR series or the DIRT series. And a lot of people will say arguments where there's already other stuff permitted, like the weird, the uh, virtual mirror, you know, the mirrors and the DIRT cars. And it's just people making wrongs on top of wrongs on top of wrongs. Telemetry is a big deal. Getting telemetry from NASCAR races and sim racing is a big deal. They have to do it, though, because if you know the data that's coming from iRacing is also being fed to motion simulators. So if you cut off the telemetry and the SDK stuff, you're not going to get the Z1 info. You're not you're going to be, you know, back to no gauges. Yeah, all that stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. So I don't envy their position. So are but, we in a good spot or not? I mean, they do, they do withhold stuff like tire temps and whatnot, right? No. The tire uh, temps you can get live. Oh. Pretty much. With Motec? Yeah. Okay. 
the IBT file comes as soon as you hit the telemetry button. So you could have a Z1 or something with that information. I don't have a Z1. I don't know. I don't need it because I can use MoTeC. There's a delay. Uh, there's a buffer, so you can't use it for that. The information is only so good. Uh, the green flag runs are not long enough to really be of use, but it doesn't change the point. The counter right. to that is, you know, the counter is that everybody has access to it. So, you know, if everybody has access to it, then everybody has access to it, and there's no competitive advantage. Yeah, but is everybody doing that? Is everybody using MoTeC to real time doesn't change, while they're in a race? Doesn't change the point, the fact that it's available to everybody, right? Yeah. It's not real time. It's got a buffer, it's delayed and everything, and you can only do so much with it. I'm not con I'm not worried about it. I I mean if somebody wants to try to do stuff like that, I, it doesn't concern me. I'm not worried about it in bottom split, but I'm worried about it in top split and when you talk about peak when you're actually competing for cash. That that's kind of a an advantage that you wouldn't have in a normal NASCAR race. I like how the tire temp, just the black box that's built into the sim, it doesn't update until you pit stop. And that's when you would get your tire temps anyways. If there was some way to withhold the telemetry until that pit stop, but I'm not sure that there is. It's being out there, it's being tracked somehow, so it affects how you have grip. That variable is in the sim, and there's going to be all sorts of programs that can mine it. Yeah, but what advantage does it give you? You just know what changes you're going to make, you know? Stuff. <laughs> Things <Yeah>. and stuff. <laughs> All right, let's get into the next uh, Hammer Time topic. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this one, and, and this has been going on for quite some time. It's an ongoing discussion that, about peak versus NIS versus how many grooves are on the track versus how many cars are on the track versus how many laps are done in a race. Uh, the very similar stuff going on on a lot of those fronts, but it seems like the NIS has different grip levels than the pro. And so there's a lot of talk about what is going on there. John, did I explain that right? Or what do you think? Uh, yeah. So, I don't work at iRacing, so I don't know any about anything about their code. You know, all disclaimers aside, the problem seems extremely simple to me. I, it's got it, it. It's so blatantly obvious that there is a piece of code somewhere that is simply not recognizing the correct number of cars, or it's limited, or it doesn't start working correctly until the right number of cars are there, or there's some old surface model code in there because this surface model acts at least in the race in NIS just like it did last year. And we had a bunch of last minute changes that came, you know, with Matt calling I racing and us trying to get the schedule the way that it was before with the last minute changes that to me, and I'm speculating, this is a hundred percent speculation that it's just last year's NIS push forward. And because as, of that, we're not getting the new tire model. Well, I don't know what exactly it is. The tire—I don't think it's the tire model. 
I think it's an older version of the surface model is my speculation. The track model, surface model, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, they I opened mean, last be. night, though. I was, they opened in Michigan last night. I mean, we had a pretty black groove. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in NIS on Wednesday, tomorrow night. The surface model is key, though, because we don't have multiple abrasive qualities on the zones of the track. If you're, I do landscape architecture and I deal with a lot of asphalt, what I do. And the asphalt at a racetrack, if you look at it three inches away, is a lot different up at the top of the banking where there's not a lot of activity versus the initial groove. And the track changes tremendously. And I'm, I'm not even there. I'm not a crew chief or anything. But when you go to the actual asphalt tracks like Stafford, I mean, it, it's the same issues. So the surface model is critical for dealing with us having one asphalt for all of the, the specific track. There might be two. There's probably one for the apron and pit road. Right. So what happens, right, is if, if you're in the, in the groove and the abrasive quality of the track and the groove is the same as it is out of the groove, your tires don't wear any different out of the groove than they do in the groove. And you can see this in telemetry. You can see it in the garage. What should happen is when you move into a more abrasive part of the track, you should be wearing the tires more in an abrasive way, like shedding rubber off of the tire. And that keeps the tire cooler in some ways because it takes the surface heat off. But you also end up with less percent rubber left, and the, the car handles different. And yeah, there's, the drivers something, talk there's about something it. weird there, though. Yeah, for sure. To me, it's like they need to crank it up like four or five times. Just because they don't have a real... Yeah, they just don't have the real abrasion qualities of the track all over the track. Even though it's laser scanned, it has they assign you know asphalt like one, two, three, or four to the surface. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, the iRacing, uh, Tyler Hudson, you know, indicated on this thread at some point, hey, we're looking into it, you know. So they've at least acknowledged it. Um, I don't know if they've acknowledged there's a problem, but. They're good people. They, they recognize that it's not right. I'm sure they'll get it fixed. All right. Good to hear. All right, Jason, what's up next? Up next is a video that was posted on NASCAR.com. It's a hot lap on Watkins Glen saying how easy it is. Just ask NAS- NASCAR Chasm. And this is actually a pretty humorous video of an absolutely awful lap around Watkins Glen. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, really funny. I had to laugh at this. This is on NASCAR's, NASCAR.com. And... Uh, which obviously got a ton of views. And it's basically NASCAR Chasm taking a lap at Watkins Glen and iRacing. And, uh, you know, he goes off in turn one, you know, and completely misses it. And uh, he loops it a few times and, you know, goes into the gravel trap and slaps the tires once. And it's just hilarious. Uh, Yeah. 
but uh, very funny and a pretty neat that they use iRacing as a, a comical tool over there at NASCAR.com. All right, next the, up. Yeah, go ahead. The captions that are added to the video just add to the humor. They're the best. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen that, check that out at uh, NASCAR.com. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, next up uh, on Twitter, uh, Cy Andra on Twitter, uh, one of one of the iRacers, has put together a video and put it up on Twitter about the cube map feature uh, doing reflections and saying, hey, it's never looked better. And he basically put a video together uh, <clears throat> looking back at a car that's racing him, and you could see the reflections on the paint of both cars of the other car. And, you know, as the sun is hitting it or reflecting off of it or the image of the car is off, you know, reflecting off the sheen of the paint, and uh, really points it out pretty neat, uh, and I've really never noticed that it was really that good. But, you know, yeah, like a mirror image in the sheen of the paint, you can see. They did a good job with that. It's much better. So it hasn't been like that, right? That's something new. No, they, new. they fixed the reflections with that new mapping, so... Yeah. And this video really points it out good. Pretty cool. Uh, if you want to check it out, look up Twitter at uh, SAI Racing is his handle. SAI Racing. Okay, what's next? Next, the 2017 500 kilometers of Road America is coming up on August 18th. And uh, Jack Davidson posted up on a thread uh, talking about... Uh, whether this is a team event or a solo event, and he used some historical accuracy. In 1989, the Road America 500 featured some solo drivers, but mostly teams of two. So for the sake of historical accuracy, we are allowing both to race. So the Road America 500 on August 18th, you can be solo or on a team of two. Pretty cool. So five five hundred. Now help me understand five hundred kilometers. So how long a race is that? Does it really need a team? From the thread, it's about a two and a half hour to three hour race. Okay. Not sure why you'd run a team event for a three hour race, but guess you could. All right. Pretty cool. <laughs> I got nothing for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up on Twitter, Steve Myers from iRacing, uh, twittering with uh, Cruz Pedergon and Ron Caps. Uh, they're basically pestering him about, hey, maybe iRacing can do some funny cars next. And uh, what do you guys think? Drag racing on iRacing is uh, is that feasible? I believe Dwayne Laprade runs a league called draft king drag kings and they race at las vegas motor speedway and it's drag racing and they rotate cars and it's hella fun i was on it for a while so how so do you handle are, the the starting tree thing or you know that all that stuff um i think they count down verbal countdown 
Yep. It's been right. a while, but it's pretty awesome. I mean, they have track. I mean, you have Sonoma, Vegas, like you said. I mean, Sonoma's got the track. It might be Sonoma that is where they do it, but there's a way to go around the track to get to the drag strip. Yeah, Sonoma definitely has a drag strip in the middle of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to to see, I mean, it shouldn't be too hard for iRacing to configure a, a Christmas tree light. With What's that uh, tire some timing like? lines, you know. What's that tire model look like? <laughs> <laughs> well, good point. I mean, can you imagine how hard that would be to kind of do the physics on a a top fuel dragster, you know, with the spinning of the tires and the nitro and all that? Yeah, we can wait on that. Longitudinal slip. <clears throat> <laughs> Shots fired. All right, pretty cool. Uh, next up, hardware software. Let's talk about keyboards. David Tucker posted up uh, some answers to a backlit keyboard question, basically uh, posting up what settings in the app INI you can change to control the keyboard backlight behaviors. And I thought that was pretty interesting, but... Uh, there's a section in the app INI called external displays, and uh, there's several settings in there, like enable LED flags equals one. You can set it to zero to turn off flag animation. So if it's set to one, then it obviously works, and so forth. So if I buy a new keyboard, man, I think I'm going to definitely get one of these ones that do colors. It's pretty cool. And uh, another interesting, uh, the last uh, item in this list is phone can steer equals one. It allows your phone device to act as a steering wheel. That's been around for a while, actually. (laughs) That's been (laughs) around for a while. You think people race with their their iPhone? (sighs) Let's just say that I don't think they do, but it sure looks like they do. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes that's me, though. Next, Oculus Rift. The good, the bad, the amazing, the ugly. Before you get too far there, I'm probably going to head out here, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming, John. Uh, You're always welcome. Uh, It's been a good hour. Uh, We're running a little long, but yeah, thanks for coming. So, see you next time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks to all the guys at Premier and Black Hole. We'll catch you later. All right. Thank cool. you, John. User disconnected from your channel. So, so Oculus this, Rift, huh? This thread it's kind of a review on uh, what they think the the good, the bad, the amazing, the ugly, and this is posted by William Wright. Uh, it's actually in the Lotus Forty Nine forms, uh, just because that's where he races. No other reason. Uh, but he literally calls it a game changer, and it saves a load of space. Uh, he has a lot of screenshots of his setup, um, uh, of his seat with his rig, how much space it takes out, uh, downsides of requiring very high-end computer components, hard to interact with the real world, uh, but really is talking about there's a whole new world out there that 
that you just don't realize until you put that headset on. Yeah, no going back is what he was saying. What caught my eye on this thread was the his cockpit. It, he, his first picture shows his uh, cockpit with triple monitors, really nice setup. He's kind of got it in the corner of a bedroom. And then he shows a second picture with the triples gone, and he's just got a small center monitor, and this is his Oculus setup. He got rid of the triples completely, and it's such a smaller footprint, uh, the amount of space that you need versus the Oculus versus the triple monitor. And I, it's just interesting to see uh, side-by-side you know, comparison of, wow, it really does save a lot of space. The heat was a, a concern that he uh, listed. Uh, it fits pretty snugly and doesn't allow any heat to escape. So he races with a small fan next to his seat to help, but uh, it's still pretty warm for him. That's the thing. That's my biggest fear of Oculus is, dang, it's too hot for that. I live in Arizona. There's no way. I'm already sweating without having a big thing on my head, you know? All right, that's uh, kind of a neat thread. Uh, next up, DIY Wind Simulator. And uh, Richard Magnaughton from Australia posted up in the forums. His, uh, now, this was a, a, an old post that got resurrected. And I, I put it on here because, and I think we might have even talked about this on a previous podcast. Uh, many moons ago, but it's such a cool idea that I wanted to bring it up again. It's basically where you could take small computer fans, uh, hook up some wiring and electronics, and basically create wind that blows in your face or at you as you're eye racing. And obviously the amount of wind coming from the fan is variable depending on how fast or slow you're going in your car. The video that he uses to demonstrate it, uh, it's got the little gauge there where you can see how strong the wind is blowing, and it uses a roller coaster simulator. So it has ups and downs, and there's a lot of increase and decrease of speed uh, with with the slowing down and speeding up from the different heights and different hills. So it looks pretty cool. Yeah, and tons and tons of pictures about what it looks like, how to do it, how to wire it up, etc., etc. And uh, if you're interested in in do, putting this together, you got to find this uh, twenty-page thread and check it out. Uh, there's a lot of people who have tried this and obviously have made it work. I'm very intrigued, but it it looks like you got to be pretty handy to put one of these things together. There's a lot of wiring and electronics and stuff, obviously. All right, what's next? Next, Z1 Simwheel has a new wheel. It is the Sam Maxwell SMZ1 wheel. A state-of-the-art, current F1 tech-inspired wheel. A quarter-inch thick, solid piece of carbon fiber with cast-in-place urethane rubber hand grips. Ten buttons, four three-way momentary toggles, six rotary switches. It looks 
extremely slick. The little display on the uh, wheel matches pretty much exactly what it looks like in the sim, and it's fully compatible with the Z1 dashboard software for those updates. Yeah, wow, it is nice. It's a true Formula One style wheel, but with the display right on the wheel. Now this is just the wheel. This is not the base that you have to plug the wheel into. And I think they actually announced this product two or three months ago and we talked about it, but there was not pricing. But why I'm talking about it today is guess what? There's, I found pricing finally on their website. Uh, it ranges from $1,863 to $2,104, depending on which base you have. There's five bases to choose from. There's wheel side Q1R, both side Q1R, AccuForce, Fanatec Club Sport V2, and Thrustmaster Adapter. But, uh, boy, you know, if I ever get a wheel, it won't be like this one. I want an oval wheel. I want a round wheel with a big old push-to-talk button on it. A push-to-talk button that makes everyone else talk to you. You can't stay silent. <laughs> pretty pretty nice wheel there. All right, next up, uh, real racing and the iRacing world. Ty Majeski uh, ended up with a second-place finish after Kyle Busch got disqualified in a, in a late model race. I think Kyle Busch won it. He got disqualified post-race tech. Uh, Ty had finished third, and that moved him to second. So uh, what's interesting, guess what? iRacing is on the hood uh, of his car for that race. Uh, that was August 1st. So I guess iRacing is still sponsoring him, but only on the late model side. So uh, as you might have known, the last time Ty Majeski ran the Xfinity series, they had Bit O Honey on the car, and iRacing was off the car. So I'm not sure what's going on with that sponsorship. Still at least a partial partnership that they're getting, and he makes our makes our podcast every week because of it. So That's right. <laughs> And he's uh, the highest rating, highest rated I rating, I rating person that, on the planet with like a, over ten thousand one hundred I rating. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> All right, what's next? Next, there was a podcast from Dale Jr. talking about I racing. Uh, Dale was mentioning they don't use I racing in the NASCAR simulators. But iRacing has interest in being involved with teams more. Uh, Dale says iRacing is better than what the teams are using. It's dated. It's up to manufacturers to push it forward. And in his opinion, iRacing is as good as it gets. Yep. I heard this, uh, the Dale Jr. download. I listen to it every week, about Monday or Tuesday typically. But this week, uh, I was surprised to hear him talk about iRacing. Uh, and they were really talking about the NASCAR simulators that are really popular this year. Uh, Chevy has one in uh, North Carolina there, uh, as well as Ford and Toyota. And that's what he's referring to is uh, the Chevy, Ford, and Toyota simulators that uh, Dale has been using a lot recently. 
and they used some kind of older dated system. Now he didn't say what it is. I I think it might be a version of R factor, but I'm not certain. But uh, I thought it was interesting that Dale said, "Hey, iRacing racing is better than what these guys are using, um, and it what they're using is dated." So what do you think about iRacing getting involved with NASCAR, or or not nearly NASCAR, but the manufacturer, Chevy, Toyota, Ford, in getting their uh, simulators updated? I mean, that's a, that must be a goldmine opportunity for iRacing. I, I think it comes down to one of those that the manufacturers may want to keep that in-house rather than pay an ongoing license to iRacing. I mean... We know the accuracy. We see the real-life race drivers get on iRacing, and they say to practice the tracks. We've read the articles about even down to a specific bump on a specific turn. It's there. The accuracy is there. The physics is is really close. Uh, But I, I think a manufacturer that has invested millions in their own simulator software and their own simulator development, are they going to want to turn around close their development and license iRacing instead, which likely won't be a cheap contract either, maybe not $20 million or anything. Uh, but iRacing will get their money money out of it if they decide to go that, that partnership. But it's just kind of an investment, investment and control perspective, I think, from the manufacturers. I mean, you're right. They're so heavily invested, they can't really start over that they probably won't is what you're saying. I understand that, but boy, you know, there's a lot of talk of new manufacturers coming into the sport. If I was a new manufacturer coming in and I had to start, you know, my own simulator, boy, I'd be hiring iRacing to to build it for me. Yeah. If you don't have millions invested already, yeah, there's no reason investing millions when you have something that is just as good, if not better than the high end simulators. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure our racing would love the opportunity. Um, and, and I saw some Twitters from Steve Myers um, that indicated as much. I mean, he, he said there was, he, he indicated, in a, it was a Q&A kind of thing, but he indicated what I remember, that there's been discussion with some manufacturers about it, but nothing concrete. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Next up. Is a post by Chase Briscoe, who's the truck driver in the NASCAR series. Uh, He let Austin Sindrick, who's another uh, truck driver, test the new rally stuff that he apparently has access to. Uh, Apparently, rally is in beta now uh, on iRacing in his uh, own personal rig at his home. And he put up a video of uh, Austin uh, taking some laps uh, in it's a pretty awesome cockpit it's a motion rig it's by a company called RLAPS which means race like a pro simulators they're out of Brownsburg Indiana their website is RLAPS.com and what I saw when I clicked on their Twitter page RLAPS wow they have this picture on their on their home screen their banner 
with a five screen setup simulator, motion simulator, where they have five screens turned vertically, all lined up in a in a half circle. And uh, I've always wanted to do a five screen setup, and this is the most awesome five screen setup I've ever seen. The rig they have in the Twitter video is an Oculus rig, actually. And uh, the, the sound, you can definitely hear the, the shifting because those, those rallycross cars, just the transmissions sound a lot jerkier uh, when they shift. And you can tell from the force feedback how much he's fighting it. So they look to be coming along pretty good with it. Awesome rig. I mean, he's got a proper race seat that's got the... Uh, shoulder pads on the sides that kind of hold your shoulders into the seat. And, but yeah, no, I don't see any monitors. He's got the Oculus on. and Pretty cool. Pretty cool video. All right, what's next? Next, William Tregertha uh, posted that he was sporting the iRacing colors for a podium finish at British GT at Brands Hatch. Uh, he's got the iRacing.com logo actually on the back of his helmet, and then a picture of his car coming in, coming under the big brand's hatch uh, sign. Yeah, I don't know this racer, but he's obviously a real racer in the British GT series. But uh, yeah, he has a big old iRacing sticker on the back of his Hans device, actually. And uh, anyway, he was real proud of his podium finish. And so I thought I'd uh, mention it on the podcast. Uh, we always appreciate these real race car drivers uh, acknowledging iRacing. Pretty cool. Uh, final topic is Fanatec is hiring. They're looking to hire three people. Um, if you're a team member on the team, you actually get a new direct drive wheelbase for free. They're looking for a quality manager, a PR manager, and a customer care slash technical support person. And so they have uh, detailed job descriptions and contact us information on their website at fanatech.com. Pretty cool. Uh, it would be neat to work in the industry, I think, for a lot of us. Uh, Kind of a neat opportunity. I wonder, I'm just wondering where they're based now. I'm going to look. And that direct drive wheelbase offer, that's not just for Fanatec employees. Anyone that uh, refers someone that gets hired, whether they're an employer or not, they'll send that direct drive wheelbase to them for free. Oh, just for the referral. Nice. I still haven't seen where they're based out of, though. <laughs> but uh, pretty cool. Yeah, if you're interested, check it out. Let's go into final thoughts. Uh, Jason, what do you got? Final thoughts that I have. Uh, again, I want to mention the Fight Like a Girl 200 uh, presented by Turn 3 Motorsports. It's a charity race for Brad and Melissa Miller. Uh, Brad Miller used to be a contributor to this podcast, and that race is going to be held August 26th. Uh, they're starting practice at 6 p.m. Eastern. The race starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. It is going to be broadcast on Race Spots, a 43-car field in the A-car open setup 
at Homestead Miami. Uh, myself and Justin Laird are signed up to race. If you want to race, they still have plenty of spots available. I believe there were 16 signed up last time I looked. We really want to get a full field for Brad and Melissa, uh, get all the support that they can and show how much the iRacing community is, is there for our own racers. Uh, so the prizes, they're given uh, gift cards to the top three, uh, all been donated. So 100% of entry and 100% of the donations are going straight to Brad and Melissa Miller. Uh, if you want to look at how to donate or how to enter, if you just search on the forums for Fight Like a Girl 200, uh, you will see a forum post that gives you all the details. Uh, I'm also planning to stream it, and we'll be doing uh, some uh, anyone that donates to the stream, I'm going to forward on to them uh, when we're racing. So, hope to see you guys there. Nice. And that's two weeks from Saturday. If you're going to sign up, folks, do it now. There's lots of spots open. Okay, so we need to re- get a full field here. So, uh, help them out, man. Check it out. Fight like a girl 200. That's a great final thought. I guess my final thoughts are, boy, you know, I'm happy the team's growing. Uh, I've been having fun with uh, a lot of new f- new people, meeting new people. Uh, we've been bringing on new people. Uh, Justin Laird has joined up with us. Uh, we got another re- new recruit uh, we've been talking to uh, last night and today uh, who's looking very promising. So uh, real excited about that. Uh, exciting to uh, have teams you know, teams ebb and flow, and we talked about this earlier, like John was talking about with his team as he transitioned his team from one <clears throat> one uh, set of people to another, basically. Um, it happens, you know. It's not that the team's bad. It's not that the people are bad. It's not anything like that. I mean, the people that were on my team before are great people. But uh, things change, you know. Um and it's always nice when you get a fresh uh, blood in and, and get some ideas going. So uh, with that being said, Jason, you had some ideas to uh, do some different things with the podcast. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, before uh, there was the podcast was getting posted on YouTube and also being streamed, uh, this podcast here is actually a recording as a test video uh, that, that we'll go over, see how we can improve that production and start getting these up on YouTube. Uh, but stay tuned. YouTube, Twitch could be coming back soon or doing some streaming on YouTube in lieu of Twitch. Uh, so a lot of the video stuff is what I'm looking to bring bring back to the podcast. All right. So we're going to have a video stream, uh, video at least on YouTube where you guys can see some of these links that we're reading about and clicking on these forum posts, these Twitter posts. Uh, so if you're interested in following us on YouTube, you're going to have that option again. We used to do that in the past. I'm glad Jason's here to to pick up that torch and take it on. Uh, pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. So it's just another place you can get our podcast. Uh, again, we're available on iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, you name it. TuneIn, Podbean, Every single, I don't think there's one of them out there I'm not on. If if you guys know of one, let me know. Because I think I've put the podcast everywhere you can possibly put it. But uh, obviously iTunes is the place to get it. So now YouTube. So check that out. And with that being said, we'll see you. Take it easy.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.